Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, friends. In many ways, life is a struggle, a battle, isn't it? I think of the millions that have to fight for the mere necessities of life, looking for sufficient food, clothing, shelter, as well as a safe place to live in and to have one's children receive an adequate education. There's a great struggle even for Christians for those whose lives are directed by the Lord Jesus and who desire to live according to his word. Someone has called that struggle the battle of faith in the arena of life. That battle pits one's sinful human nature, also called the flesh in some translations of the Bible, against the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is truly God, together with the Father and the Son. He's powerful and can change the lives of sin-burdened, arrogant, selfish, and jealous people into people who delight in God's great gifts of love and joy and peace. In his letter to the Galatians, Christian people living in what today is Turkey the Apostle Paul labored to counter some sinister teachings that were making inroads into the churches in that part of what was then the Roman Empire. Evidently, these people taught that Gentiles might believe in Jesus okay, but then must also accept circumcision as well as other Jewish ceremonial laws. But that teaching was totally contrary to the gospel of God's free grace in Jesus Christ, which Paul and his associates had proclaimed. That free grace, or unmerited favor, is the joyful work of the Holy Spirit, dedicated to leading people in the way of God's word. Freed from ceremonial laws and restrictions, Christians were to stand, as Paul writes at the beginning of chapter 5, without submitting to what he called a yoke of slavery. The truth is that abandoning the way of the Spirit often leads to all kinds of hard pricklies of sin and immorality, such as impurity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, envy, and drunkenness, as Paul notes in chapter 5, verse 21. Warned the apostle, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit would bring forth fruits of faith in the lives of God's people. He's like a river full of life-giving waters of joy. In verse 22 and 23 of Galatians 5, Paul portrays what amounts to a well-filled basket of wonderful fruits. And the first three of these fruits are love, joy, and peace. Now, it has been said, and rightly, I think, that these three refer to the most basic spiritual qualities and necessities. 
even the entertainment world, which doesn't put much stock in spiritual matters, wants everyone to know love is a many-splendored thing, as a group called the Four Aces crooned a generation ago. The scriptural meaning of love, however, is a far more meaningful jewel than mere physical attraction and sexual pleasure with which many identify love today. Not that the Bible is down on eros, the love that seeks sensual expression. Just read that wonderful love poem called The Song of Songs in the Bible. And yet the love that Paul was speaking about in Galatians 5 is agape, which is a self-giving love. Call it gift love, a personal commitment to the other that is fed by the love of Christ Jesus himself. Love is the supervisor in that essential spiritual construction project called faith. Without this wonderful ingredient of love in a person's life, people quickly revert back to selfishness, envy, as well as hatred, as well as immorality. It's especially love for the brotherhood that the apostle stresses in this letter. Were there those who insisted on their preferences, circumcision, and other legalistic laws, says Paul, that only leads to wrangling, which completely obscures Christ's rule of love. The whole law of God is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself, says Paul in chapter 5, 14. And then immediately he issued a warning. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. It is a danger, a present danger, for families, communities, even churches. It's for that reason that Paul coupled this essential requirement called love to peace and patience. When love is present, joy can't be far behind. Elsewhere, the Bible says that love is the law's fulfillment, and the doing of God's law brings delight. Christians know of God's sure promise that they can rejoice even in distressing circumstances. Paul experienced beatings, imprisonment, storms, even shipwrecks. Yet even in the midst of what we would call disasters, we find him giving thanks to God for food, which he shared with others, and saying, among other things, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, and yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich. His gladness was and is shared by other true Christians. It is not some superficial, just-keep-on-smiling kind of medicine which most often fails to satisfy the deepest need of a person's life. It is instead that inexpressible and glorious joy that another apostle, Peter, speaks about in his first letter. That joy, too, is a gift of God. It's anchored in the knowledge that by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, believers receive forgiveness of sins and salvation. 
though they may live in the midst of death and persecution, with evil spirits all trying to make a grab for them, they, like Job, a faithful person living in ancient times, confess, I know that my Redeemer lives. They know God the Holy Spirit was poured out on his people. That Spirit leads them to live lives of thankfulness and holiness, shedding those hard, destructive spirits of jealousy and hatred, arrogance and self-sufficiency. They embrace patience, that together with love and joy they might have a threefold cord that is not easily broken. Peace belongs to those who love God's law just as much as joy. And that peace is not just an absence of war and of brawling or an argumentative approach to one's relationships. It's not some temporary moratorium on letting one's tongue run away unbridled with poisonous results. It is a serenity of heart, which is God's own treasure. It is therefore called the peace of God, which transcends all understanding in Philippians 4 verse 7. It's very closely associated with grace, which is God's gift and on which peace is based. It's really a conviction with which we need to go to work. This conviction, that God did not spare his own Son, so that by his saving work on Calvary's cross we might have life. Therefore, this peace has been called the heart's calm after Calvary's storm. With our weak, sinful human nature, we really can't grasp the fullness of meaning of this precious peace. Nevertheless, it is real and it is powerful, for Paul says, it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What did that mean for those churches in Galatia so tempted to throw caution to the wind? And this in order to burden fellow Christians with man-made laws of which Paul says they are really a yoke of slavery. It certainly meant that they would have to come back to the basics of Christian living. They would have to be once more brought back to Christ. So to live by the Spirit, not gratifying the desires of the flesh, that is, once sinful human nature. Dear listeners, that's what we need to do. That would bring real changes in family and in personal life that would affect a reformation of sorts in one's neighborhood, which may be a breeding ground for discontent, for drug abuse, and for gang warfare. Only Jesus Christ is the answer. Only God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can bring about an era of love and joy and peace. The Apostle Paul even went so far as to speak of reaping a harvest, a harvest of doing good, if we ourselves do not become weary of doing good. Dear listeners, heed God's call. Turn to Him in prayer and in faith progressing. Cherish the great and sincere love of God and the present power of the Holy Spirit, ready and able to come to your aid when you call on Him, 
confessing his authority, his power, and his comfort. Cherish his precious fruits and live. Amen, and thanks so much for listening.